Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Are you a candidate looking for expert help so that you can ace that interview? Maybe you're a recruiter or a hiring manager trying to understand how to differentiate your brand from other employers vying for top talent. Then this is the episode for you. In this HR chat, I talk with Tom Gimble, founder and CEO of LaSalle Network, a staffing, recruiting and culture firm headquartered in Chicago. Tom's also a 12-time Inc. 5000 honoree. Tom is an expert on jobs, career management and company culture and speaks to these topics on CNBC's Hawkbox and with the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times and Inc. magazine, among a list of other publications. LaSalle Network has also been recognised by more than 100 revenue and culture-based awards. Listen as Tom offers practical tips for candidates and employers during the current Great Resignation. Tom, welcome to the HR Chat Show. Great to be with you, Bill. Firstly, as part of my homework, I was going through various different sources, and, and including your, your LinkedIn profile, of course. And, and on it, you, you shared a post about a recent interview you did on CNBC, Tom. And in that post, you say, this is the best jobs market in 25 years. Companies are hiring because they are growing. If you want a job, there is one for you. Uh, if you've got the skills and training, then, in your opinion, Tom, exactly how easy is it at the moment for candidates just to walk into the next role? Yeah, it's really an interesting question, Bill, because uh, the phrase you said is, if you've got the skills and the training. And the problem that most job seekers face, or a lot of job seekers face, is they believe they have the skills or job training, but they don't have it for the job they want. So if you've done a job, if you haven't been fired from it, um, whether it's accounting or marketing or sales, There are jobs for you in every major metropolitan area. Where there used to be a problem was if you lived in a remote area, there might only be a few employers that had your skill set, and you'd have to take a different job. Due to COVID, there is some, some light at the end of the tunnel, obviously, that if you're in a remote area, there are remote jobs now. The challenge always is, is can you find a job for more money or the money you want to make and are the trade-offs good for you and that's something that's in the eyes of the beholder but if if the question is how easy is it to walk into a job i think the answer is is really pretty easy you have uh record low unemployment i don't think it's the best job market in 25 years i think it's the best job market we've ever had in the country and the opportunity is are you willing to work hard when you get the job? And now with the change from COVID uh, and vaccines is, are you willing to go into an office? So if you're, if a lot of these answers are yes, you're going to walk into a job that could be the dream job for you. Okay, we can probably finish the interview there because I've got my best quote I think I'm possibly going to get, which is, this is the job best jobs market ever. Oh, listeners, wow, that, that's, where, that's where we're at right now. And of course, the reverse of that, Tom, is... It's a pretty tough job to, to attract the top talent at the moment, right? Yeah, I, I think when employers are hiring, what, they're, what usually the mistake is of, of hiring managers or corporations in general is they always want to look for, they don't always, many employers are always looking for the perfect candidate. And if you wait for perfection, sometimes you end up... Uh, uh, an old single person, right? I, I believe that the focus really has to be on 
what's the job you need to have done today? And is there somebody who can do it? If you find somebody who's really got exceptional raw skills, can you reallocate the workload internally to bring somebody in to train them on how you want to do it? So if, if the, the definition of top talent is somebody who's got the stability and the attitude and the work experience and everything that's perfect, yeah, it's really hard to find that person at record low unemployment. But if you are willing to, to, to identify raw talent and help develop and train, there's still a lot of really good people out there. And you think, Tom, that this is this is the right time to do that? You think that um, the, the market's now stable enough that uh, folk can invest in people who are perhaps not the ideal fit right now, but they've got those essential skills, those transferable skills, that, and, and companies have got the time? Because, you know, lots of people are fearing the Delta variant rightfully. Um, the, the big fear amongst everyone, of course, is that there becomes a variant that uh, is resistant to vaccines, and then we could be back in turmoil again. But from from what you're seeing, from your gut instinct, maybe, do you think now is the time to invest in people, to upskill them, to reskill them, and that things can't possibly get back as, to as bad as they were before? Bill, you just made me a foot taller because you brought out my soapbox for me to stand on. So um, I, I could talk about learning and development forever, and I've been on that on that uh, bandwagon for 20 years. Is that I believe that the majority of turnover and hiring challenges. In, in big, mid-size mid and large corporations would be solved if they would spend more money on learning and development. That hire people who are, who are young, who are aggressive, who are motivated, not at the expense of hiring old people, this isn't an age discrimination comment. It's just saying, you've gotta build your farm system the same way a sports team does. And to hire people right out of college who are eager and want to learn and work hard and invest in a learning and development program, now is the best time to do it because it's where the labor, the mass laborers are simultaneously. It's the best thing to do for the long-term future of your business because you're developing people who are going to uh, live and breathe your, your core values and what you're about and be very loyal based on the opportunity you've given them. Blue Ivy Group is a global leader in employer branding, organizational culture, and recruitment marketing. We help organizations across the private, public, and not-for-profit sectors build extraordinary employee experiences, magnetic employer brands, and high-performance cultures. To find out more how we can help you, visit our website at blueivygroup.com. Okay, so it's a nonsense then to, to go down the line of... Um, well, another crisis could happen, and therefore we need we need to be a bit protective. The point is, it's about future proofing your company, right? It's about putting the people in place for the long term, investing in in the long term. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. If you're a business owner, a business leader, an executive, and you are building your and you are building your company purely for crisis avoidance, you're wearing a blindfold because. You can never avoid a crisis, whether it's a pandemic, a recession, uh, a war, whatever, is that you're always going to have ups and downs and you just don't know the frequency. So you've got to build a company with the best people at the right cost model that's going to allow you to grow and survive the tough times, not avoid them. 
Tom, I got so excited about the prospect of interviewing you that I went over the top, I think, with a bunch of questions and some of them are pretty big and uh, I should have maybe just had a few less. Um, uh, but I, I guess I became a bit of a fanboy as I was doing my homework. So I'm going to run <laughs> through a bunch with you, okay? And uh, yep. I'm going to challenge you for the next couple to answer them in 90 seconds sure. or less. What, what a challenge. Yep. All right, here we go. Um, what, what's changed, Tom? What, what's changed as a result of the pandemic in terms of expectations of an employer and its culture? And you mentioned, I think, in your first answer that there are trade-offs. If you're willing to accept trade-offs, you know, more, more opportunity to work from home. And a lot of people want to do that. As an example, then maybe they won't get quite the same uh, salary level. Um, so maybe talk to us a bit about how the landscape has changed. Yeah, I think the number one area of the landscape has changed is just the ability to work remotely, that if you find somebody who's got a unique skill set, they don't have to be where you are. And that's a huge value add for the company. It's actually, people have talked about it more from the employee perspective. I think it's a bigger value add for the company that they have a bigger talent pool uh, to look to, to pull from. I think secondarily is the ability that you can make faster hiring decisions as an employer because you don't have to be limited by schedules anymore. You can do things on video and Zoom and get interviews done exponentially faster. Geez, I, I think that was like 60 seconds, Tom. Okay, wow, you're up for the I'm challenge. An extremist. I'm an extremist, Bill. <laughs> um, uh, here's a, here's a, a, a nice question for a practical takeaway or two uh, for, for some of our listeners out there. Um, so, you know, there, there'll be plenty of folk who are thinking about moving jobs or who are candidates right now um, actively seeking a new job. What, what, what are some of the questions candidates should ask and should definitely not ask as well in an interview and why? I, I think what the candidate wants to ask is, how did they treat their employees during the pandemic? And what were the effects of the, the recession in the second quarter of last year on their business? And how did they grow through that? Now, it obviously depends on what kind of job you're interviewing for on the insight that, that you either are curious about literally or they're going to share with you. But to me, what we're coming out of to know what type of employee friendly company you're you're contemplating going to work for is really the most important question to be asked. And the flip side of that, Tom, uh, what, what about those hosting the interview? Uh, what, what do they need to ask? Yeah. So I think if you're if you're interviewing a candidate, you want to know, number one, how did the company they were working at handle the the pandemic and the recession last year and coming out of that? Number one. Number two, how were they treated by uh, their company. Number three, if they lost their job or were downsized or let go, what did they do constructively during that time of unemployment to improve their skills and their situation in their life to know the motivation level somebody has? And and number four, um, you know, really uh, post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, current pandemic is what is the way that they will go above and beyond the job description to add value to your company? Now then, I'm going to preface this next question by saying, obviously, if they work with you, Tom, and your team, then um, they'll, they'll be in safe hands and they won't have to do a bunch of this stuff. But most, <laughs> most companies out there, I'm guessing, in the US don't work with you yet. Uh, I'm sure lots and lots do, but not not all of them, not not the majority. Um, so uh, for, for those companies who are not lucky enough to work with you and your team yet, Tom, um, how can how how can they go about um, making sure that they convey that they have a really cool company culture? How how, how can they how how can they essentially sell their company in, in the best possible ways to, to to candidates? No, it's a great question, Bill. And what a company's culture is is really has three different perspectives. 
there's what the executives think, there's what middle management thinks, and then there's what the rank and file worker thinks. And the biggest problem most companies have is they go to market with what the executives think, and that isn't always reality. And so what, what I would recommend to any company of trying to, to look at their culture is, what do they want their culture to be? And then to survey the different levels of the, of the organization and see if that matches. If not, you've got to work on that. But there's, there's really the idea of selling what reality is going to be like in your culture because to put what you want it to be, you'll have higher levels of, of undesired turnover. And so if you're doing that, you've got to get to employer branding and you've got to have your staff be really key advocates. And, and that's going to take a lot of time from executives to build a cultural pathway between levels of employees. And then it's going to take uh, a little bit of investment to, to make things more fun and to reward people for jobs well done. Let's talk a bit about money, Tom. Um, money talk. So let's talk about it. Uh, in another recent post on LinkedIn, see, I really was doing my homework. Uh, you, you say, <laughs> <laughs> you say the, the result of higher wages happening so quickly with an increase of money in the system is inflation. Uh, thus, people aren't seeing more money, even if they are paid more. Maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, the net effect on, on the economy, but also specifically, can you explain if this current bubble of high wages to capture top talent will, will burst anytime soon? Or, or do you think what we're seeing right now, uh, this great resignation, this big war for talent, all, all the rest of it, and the higher wages which are associated with people certainly who are willing to come back to the office, Tom. Do, sure. do, do you think Do you think that that'll be around for, for foreseeable, or will there be a pop? Well, what you said, Bill, is really interesting. You said paying top wages for top talent, and that is the biggest challenge you face and why there's a fl- inflation coming on us, and that is people aren't paying top wages for top talent. They're paying higher wages for average talent. And that is what causes inflation. The best people in the world, whether they're musicians, surgeons, actors, salespeople, recruiters, accountants, lawyers, they always make a lot of money. The problem is when the rank and file start making more money, and then you have the companies that are paying those wages, they have to increase the the fees for their goods or services. And that's where we're at now. Do I think it's going to end? I think it's going to end from an ever-increasing battle where you really have the challenge is in the hourly wages and what we've seen with walmart and target and some of the other big box retailers is that minimum wage being at 12 was probably too low 18 to 20 dollars an hour is probably a little bit too high and and what will the only time we'll see a correction there though is if there is a recession and i think we're going to avoid that for the next 24 to 36 months when you get into the salaried levels you are going to, what you'll, where you'll end up seeing that is with recent college graduates. And what ends up happening, they'll take about two or three years is that their base salaries will end up decreasing by 15 to 20%. And that'll begin to recalibrate it. And it takes about a half a decade after that for it to stabilize. So long answer, but I believe that we'll continue to see wages increase a little bit, not as exponentially as it has over the past 18 months. And hopefully we won't see recession set in overwhelmingly more than it has already. But I'm afraid that that may happen. Okay, I'm personally just going to choose to focus on the bit where you said 18 to 24 months. Um, so uh, happy t- happy times for the for the uh, for the near future, anyway, <laughs> listeners. So that that's where that's where I'm going to go. And um, um, in fact, um, that's almost where I'm going to wrap up. But before we do wrap up today, Tom, how how can our listeners learn more about LaSalle Network and how can they connect with you? 
Sure. So we are uh, on social media at LaSalle Network and LaSalleNetwork.com is our website. And please check us out. And if you have any questions, there's plenty of, uh, of ways to, to leave comments and to reach out. And we're happy to help. Awesome. And uh, um, I'd just like to add that uh, I reached out to Tom through LinkedIn and he was terribly responsive there. Thank you, Tom, for, for accepting my invite today. Uh, th- this, has been, this has been a really great interview. I'm definitely going to bug you to see if we can get you on the show again in the near future. I'm flattered you had me on, Bill, and uh, I'm a fan of yours as well, and I appreciate the time. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 